You've heard the headlines. Get some perspective now with Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Good morning and a happy Tuesday to you. That means it's a primary Tuesday and all eyes towards New Hampshire. The lead. Yeah, primary day in New Hampshire. We've got some new polling numbers out right now. And the latest poll is showing that heading into this primary, Senator Bernie Sanders has a pretty distinct advantage. I'll be one somewhat threatened by Mayor Pete and Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar, who is also surging. What happens tonight could have a strong impact on who the nominee for the Democratic Party eventually becomes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it shakes out. Although, if you look at some of the the polling data, that uh, it, it appears that Senator Bernie St- Sanders, who is the senator from, I'm led to believe, Vermont's very close to New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. In the neighborhood. Let's call it that. Uh, and so they, they they know him up there. And that always tends to play a bit of a role. You, you know, that you, you feel like Proximity. You're, well, you're, you're like you're voting for your neighbor type thing. And so I, I very I, neighborly of them. Yeah, I get that on, a, on some level. But um, it would be so nice. It would be so nice if this race wasn't shaping up to um, if Bernie Sanders continues to do well. And he's doing well by all the metrics that we have. Right. Is that fair to say? That we weren't having to vote between a uh, pick between a socialist and a nativist because it appears that we're heading towards, again, this this election of extremes. I I don't buy it. I I honestly don't buy it. It's New Hampshire. We've had one caucus and this is the first primary. There is a lot of race to still be ran. And I get that that's who's leading right now. But um, New Hampshire is one thing. Again, Iowa, New Hampshire, they're they're not indicative as to how the rest of the country is going to go. They're not very representative of America. I I think the one number tonight that people should be watching more Mm. so than what percentage of the vote Bernie Sanders gets, who comes in second, who comes in third, all of which is important, voter turnout. Voter turnout is going to be a huge Mm. indication as to how this race is going to go. If you look at Iowa... Iowa had lower voter turnout in 2020 than they did in 2016. Iowa. Now, what do you read into that? I read into it that the Democratic base isn't as fired up as they should be. The Democratic base isn't going to be coming out. Let me tell you, last night in New Hampshire, where you had the the president who held uh, or or where the president held a rally, you had people waiting in the rain, in the cold to listen to him outside. They they were lined up for hours. That is a base who is going to show up and who is going to vote. If the Democratic Party does not have that same measure of enthusiasm, if you don't see as many people turn out in New Hampshire today as you had in 2016 or set new records, then I think the Democratic Party is in for a a wake-up call. I don't think you are. And and I would would turn it around this way. It, It strikes me, and I've heard some of the D's talking this way, it doesn't matter who the D nominee is. Their argument is, get through this process. We're voting for anybody whose name isn't Trump. And so the, the 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 weeding out process they're going through now with still is it eleven is it technically I think eleven people who are still running in some way shape Depends or on form the state. but you know what I'm saying not all are on the ballot Bloomberg et cetera Th- that um it almost doesn't matter to many of them any well, you any say of that. the seven dwarfs <laughs> are good enough you you say that the idea of just you know nominating somebody who's normal. 
um, isn't a foregone conclusion in beating Trump. But that's my argument where you're you're setting it up right now for nativist versus socialist. And I think that's a horrible decision a lot of people have to make. Well, I I think that what you're going to get potentially, I mean, right now you've got uh, Bernie Sanders, who, you know, socialist, that's who you're referring to there. I don't know. Is, is, is he going to win the, the, the primary? Is he going to win the Democratic nominee? I, I, I honestly don't think so right now. I, I, I don't. I see that he's leading in New Hampshire. Again, a lot of race to be ran. Um, where, where you're going to start to see in these next couple of races is you've got you've got the centrists, the moderates, if you will, the Buddha judge, uh, Biden, uh, Klobuchar, uh, Bloomberg. OK, mm-hmm. which one of them starts to pull ahead? Which one? Or do they continue to cannibalize each other? And if they do continue to cannibalize themselves, what we're looking at right now is if you have if you have this huge field, because what New Hampshire typically does is start to narrow the field. OK, you start to have some of these candidates that peel off and say, you know what, we, we can't continue. Will Elizabeth Warren be one of those? She hasn't mm-hmm. been doing too well lately, but I maybe find, not. I find there almost no difference. My perception is almost no difference between her and Bernie. I, I'm with you on that. Like they're, but they're, Bernie has the momentum. Bernie has. Oh, agreed. Yeah. That Bernie has separated himself from Elizabeth Warren. Right. And if they're both preaching the same message, he's winning that that argument. That's what has to happen with the Biden, uh, Klobuchar, Buddha Judge, and Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Wow. That, there has to be one that that three B's and a K. I know. I just off the top. Did of Did I get head. that right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm not right. But what what there's potential of. Is if you still have this huge field because it doesn't narrow after today or Nevada or after South Carolina, and you still have this huge group of of candidates going into Super Tuesday, Mm -hmm. you're then dividing a bunch of delegates. You need 1,900 delegates to be the party nominee. So people, you know, complaining and and bickering over who won Iowa, Bernie or Buddha Judge, the difference between the two. Is two delegates. That is nothing when it comes to 1900. So you could get to a point where the Democratic National Convention, nobody has the 1900. And are you going into a brokered convention? So the the, the scenarios that you were just describing sound one heck of a lot (laughs) like four years ago on the R side Mm -hmm. where you had Trump as the outlier who was in a world unto himself, and you had, quote, moderates, whether they be Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio. Marco Rubio. You remember the, the ones in the middle all fighting amongst each other while the outlier managed to win. Are you seeing something similar in the D party that if all of the, quote, moderates, whatever you want to refer to them as, centrists, cannibalize one another while Bernie stands off to himself with the Bernie bros or whatnot and just continues to rack up wins. It it sounds pretty similar because I've made the argument that Bernie Sanders is to the Democratic Party what Trump was to the Republican Party. Yeah, but Bernie also but Bernie also ran last time and didn't win and didn't win Didn't have Donald Trump lose uh, a nomination. But Bernie fans think it was stolen from him. Bernie, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm just saying, Bernie fans yeah. think that it was it was all a uh, Okay, so let's know, play along with that lines. Let's say, because mm-hmm. we're, we're doing like hypothetical here, uh, pick, pick somebody in that moderate group, okay? Who do you want? Buddha, Buddha judge? Okay, or? let's go with Buddha judge. Okay. Um, let's hypothetically say, and I think this is the long shot, okay, but that right. Buddha judge becomes the Democratic nominee. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Do you think the Bernie bros or whatever it is that you just wrote, do they coalesce around? 
Buttigieg? S- not in the same way that, that supporters of the other candidates were, just like so, Trump supporters wouldn't have gotten behind Jeb Bush. If but but along those lines, then, when, when you say it's just about who can beat Trump or, or yeah. Democratic Party kind of getting around whoever can beat Trump, well... If Bernie's people don't get behind uh, whatever oh. the, the, the oh, candidate Oh, no, they painted be. themselves into a corner. Because, uh, by letting Bernie into the party, just like when Trump, when Republicans let Trump into the party, they've completely screwed themselves. Because uh, um, uh, you could make the argument, and, and David Brooks in the New York Times made this argument, I thought he made it very well, that the Democrats are screwed if Bernie Sanders is their nominee. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're also screwed if he isn't. I Okay, but wait, wait. Which they, one hurts them more? And that's maybe a calculation they're going through. Because, I, I again, think, would, the, would Bernie Bros get them. behind Amy Klobuchar? Probably not. He's not. The, she's not. Or the, any of the others. They aren't radical enough. They aren't social, democratic socialist enough. Just like Trump supporters weren't going to vote for establishment Republican candidates. Period. Wouldn't going to do it. So they just they just hang out, not vote, and then allow the other party to win. I don't buy it. Hmm. I think one of the great unifiers right now is anyone who's not Trump. I think that that's what's happening within the Democratic Party right now. President Trump is this amazing unifier for the Democratic Party. And their whole idea is anybody but Trump. That is what this party is trying to do. If the Bernie bros again, I just I like saying it. If they think that Bernie gets screwed out of the nomination by the establishment Democrats and the Democratic National Committee, do they show up and vote for the D? No. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, they do. Okay, you I'm think sorry. they do? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they do mm. because no. I, thought, well, I heard R. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, no, my, no, my mind do. was someplace else. Yeah. Uh, no, I think they do. Well, let's see what happens tonight. As again, if you believe some of the polling data, Bernie and Buttigieg. Good night. Can we? Could Bernie we have broken Buttigieg, up the names? Bloomberg and Biden. Bernie and. Buttigieg are expected to do well tonight because they did well in Iowa. Let's be honest. That's one of the reasons behind it. Uh, And maybe the better question is not who's going to win tonight, but who's going to lose to the point that they can't move on. I think you got to be careful with Warren. Elizabeth mm-hmm. Warren and you know Biden. Biden is trying to hanging on, hanging on by a thread. Nice. Okay. Yeah, he's trying to make it to South Carolina. That's for sure. So the new Loop two hundred two. Have you driven it yet? The yeah. uh, the truck bypass. I, I went like and did it. it just just to see what it was. I uh, know I had a reason. It's for like it. a high speed. It's 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 nice. It is nice. It's pretty. I like it. So why this freeway that opened up what late December? Why yeah, about that? Yeah. Does it already need repairs? St. James and Pamela Hughes. I'm going to have to play the remake version of this. Come on. Um, Life is a highway. And for a lot of people, the new Loop 202 uh, was supposed to be a bit of a godsend. I've yet to... I even... I I tried to ask friends of mine. I did it on the Facebook. Are you using the new 202? Or are you seeing less traffic on the I-10 through downtown Phoenix because there's this new freeway open and it appears the jury's still out? Yeah, I don't know. If I haven't seen less traffic. Okay. I used it once. Uh, Riley had a uh, The new soccer, 202. Yeah, we had a soccer tournament out at like the Fear Farm in the West Valley, which is really close to the uh, the stadium and, you know, hockey and all that kind of stuff out there. And this West new Valley. section, it goes from I-10 in Chandler, kind of down by Wild Horse Pass or whatever they call it. Yeah, the days. 202 Santan. Then. And then it curves all the way behind South Mountain yeah. and meets back up with I-10 at about 59th Ave. And you know what? I loved it. 
I I enjoyed it. It was an <laughs> I easy ride. It. I honestly did. It was super weird because it was a Saturday. I want to. I think it was a it's Saturday just morning. Nice meandering freeway. It's pretty. I mean, like the view. Yeah. I like the view. Well, and there's not the a other lot of, thing too. It's all desert and mountains. The, the other aspect about it is like when you're driving through the city, it can it can be a bit aggravating, right? People cutting in, cutting oh, out, okay. a lot yeah, of traffic. Yeah. There there's so much more. This was a nice leisurely drive. I I thoroughly enjoyed it because there weren't a ton of cars on it, right? No, there wasn't a yeah. ton of cars. Okay. So so when I, I saw this report from AZ Family yesterday, mm-hmm. I was a bit surprised. I mean, I took it a couple of weeks ago. I didn't notice this, but uh, there seems to be a problem with 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 the new Loop 202. Take a listen. At almost every overpass, drivers will see this patches of asphalt deteriorating. We saw it on both sides of Loop 202 for about six consecutive miles from Dobbins Road to I-10 in the West Valley. Some drivers can't believe it. It's totally ridiculous. It's a brand new road. So to have that kind of destruction on already, it's like, what is it going to look like down the road? Think about it like like the pavement is kind of like peeling, peeling up, up, right? Right. And it goes from where there's transitions. When you go from concrete to pay, to asphalt, I guess, um, apparently it's not unusual to have a little bit of... Um, of a rough area where that transition is, but the question is... It's been open two months! Should it be falling apart already? Tom Herman with ADOT Talk to AZ Family. We're well aware of that. We're looking at it now to come up with the right solution to uh, to make those repairs. This shouldn't be happening after two months. There's many number of uh, any number of reasons. You don't want to really speculate. We want the engineers to come out here and take a look. Let them evaluate exactly what happened and exactly what we need to do to, to fix it and make sure it doesn't happen again. We apologize for that. We, we want to provide a freeway that will serve them well for decades into the future. Okay, so you've served us well for two months. Here's my frustration can, uh, with Can it. I make sure that we... The taxpayers don't pay a nickel for these repairs? Here, th- this whole project, this was a huge project, a yeah. $1.7 billion project mm-hmm. that finished three years early. Three years? Three years early, which just the context clues of this all has me asking the question, was it rushed? Oh. Did they do it too quickly? Did they not cross the T's, dot the I's? And so now we're in a position where this $1.7 billion project, two months after it opened, has parts of the freeway peeling up, damage well, did, in both directions. Were they bonused on finishing early? Was there a financial incentive to get it done quickly? You know what? That's a great question. Were the contractors who were put out on this project, did they get a financial incentive for finishing it early? And, and if was so, it done was that, that's the thing. That's what I'm wondering. I think there's an argument. I think there's a heck of an argument behind that. Because, uh, you know, this is it's the old joke. Um, I remember my, my, when my dad, my dad worked for the Pentagon and he used to fly on military aircraft. And he said I had he had one pilot who used to remind him all the time, goes, buckle in. Remember, you're flying on low bid airlines. You know that this was a, a low bid. Whoever was the low bidder got the job. Then they finished it early. And two months into it, the asphalt is peeling up. But also, can we point out? On a road that is hardly bumper-to-bumper traffic. Right. I mean, it's not... The, the rest of the Valley freeways probably are still having a heck of a lot more volume than this brand new Loop 202. Uh, it should be the last one that's peeling up. And then the other thing you got to take into consideration, for, for folks that are listening that grew up on the East Coast like I did, you have some of those extreme weather changes, especially over the winter, where you you know, you know have the, the rain or the snow mm-hmm. and the water freezes and it contracts and then it expands. And, and that all leads of to that. like potholes. And that's and where that you get these potholes. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, potholes that'll swallow a car, for goodness sakes. We don't have that kind of weather here. I mean, we have extremely hot weather where you're like asphalt could be peeling up, but it's been freaking January. It it, it gets wavy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And and it's so just did they rush it through? Hmm. That's the question I have right now, because there is no way you spend one point seven billion dollars on a project, finish it three years early and two months later, have these kinds of issues. Pamela has spoken. There is no way. We just got a tweet. Just saying. Tweets at just saying. I'm on the new 202 now from Surprise to Awatuki. Worried that they use subpar. Did they use subpar stuff again? Low bid. Remember that. It's all done low bid. So we're going to tell you about an unexpected victim of the coronavirus. No, it's not some grandfather in Wunan, China. Who's who's paying the price here for the coronavirus? It's coming up next on Arizona's news station. Arizona's news station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. One of the concerns that people have about the coronavirus is a legitimate one. There are, there are some concerns I think are redonkulous. But the idea that maybe China isn't being totally forthcoming, isn't being completely transparent, um, is certainly borne out by, well, I don't know, the history of China. Okay, and so we may not know everything we need to know or should know about the coronavirus because China's playing it close to the vest for fear of losing face or whatnot. Okay, so that is the and and I think, Pamela, you'd agree that is a legitimate concern. Sure. What's not a legitimate concern is Chinese restaurants suffering. Because people think they're going to get the coronavirus having soup. Walks are cold, tables empty, Chinatown deserted. It's empty. Helen Eng is the owner of Amazing 66 Restaurant on Mott Street. She says business has dropped about 50%. People are very concerned. We understand their feelings. But actually, it's hurting us too. Blame it on coronavirus, even though there are no confirmed cases in New York. Just the fear of it seems to be keeping residents at home. For Helen, the pinch is especially hard because she refuses to let her staff be punished by the fear. She still pays them, even if no one is ordering any food. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to me, the idea of avoiding, I would venture to say, you know, Phoenix doesn't have like a Chinatown like San Francisco or New York uh, City does. Right. I would venture to say that there is a lot of fear out there because there's a lot of ignorance and that folks are avoiding that entire area altogether. If you if you look at the economics of it, I would assume that it's not just Chinese restaurants in Chinatown and Manhattan that are having this economic mm-hmm. impact. I would venture to say it's probably the hotels in the area, the businesses in the area. So many people who we've heard, you know, 
The the only way you're going to get it is one if you've been to Wuhan, China, First okay, off. or if you are exposed to somebody who has been there. Correct, Amanda. And so people are avoiding these areas for fear that yep. people may have been to that area and they may be transmitting the disease. But if you're afraid to go to the Panda Express. Oh, that's a little different. And order the egg rolls because you think they contain coronavirus. You've gone completely off the deep end. But that's not what they're saying here. You know. Yeah. I mean, you, you you have taken this to an extreme. But that's interesting, again, that we're seeing literally entire parts of towns and the Chinese restaurant industry because people associate this with China directly. Um, And I get why, again, if you are in... China or somebody who's recently come back from there. But as we've seen in the United States, we have a very different um, system in dealing with potential people that have potentially been exposed to this than you see in other countries. And we have done things like quarantine people. We had the planes, you know, that have shown up and and we have people that are uh, being treated in hospitals or under observation. We don't have a bunch of people from Wuhan, China, just wandering the streets down, you know, making your food at a Chinese restaurant. It's just not what happens. But, but there are a lot of there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of panic out there. And the people, I, I think, are probably just taking the, the measure of, you know, better safe than sorry. Oh, but when we that. talk about bad information. Yeah. Um, did, did you hear this? Which one? The uh, the president said earlier this week that that he he really thinks that. The coronavirus is just going to go away what? when uh, when things start to heat up. The virus, they're working hard. Yeah. Looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. I hope that's true. It's not. The um, coronavirus is going to go away as the weather gets warmer? Well, you know, there are times... Well, again, this is the guy that thinks windmills cause cancer. So we're going to take his medical advice with a grain of salt. The, the coronavirus, it, it, they call it a novel virus in, in the sense that we've never seen it before. Yeah. And I think that like what the president has done, and he's not the only one, there are others out there, um, whether they're creating panic or whether in this case you're minimizing these critical risk factors, I think really makes it difficult for people out there who are trying to navigate this and just get good information. The, the, Don't this, get it from him. That's a good start. The, there is no vaccine. All right. They're, they're working on one right now mm-hmm. and they, they may have one by the summer, but that would be super fast if they do. We, we don't really know exactly how this is spreading or or how long it takes an infected person to, to show symptoms. Um, some coronavirus infections, because there are like SARS is one, MERS is one. Okay. This is this is just another kind the of latest one. version. Some of them are seasonal. Some of them, some of them are, and so he's right in that sense. But this one is too soon to tell, and I think that you know, telling people it'll get better when the weather warms up is is an oversimplification of a very serious issue. You're being kind. I would argue. I'm that being factual. Was, no, but my point is, I think it's just again more more ignorance spewing, and and again coming from from uh, the president that is even more disappointing when you get factually incorrect information uh, that, again, him and his supporters will claim is true, despite all evidence to the contrary. So we're concerned that China might not be giving us the truth. Yeah, absolutely. We are concerned that Trump is telling you when the weather warms up, it'll go away. 
and people are avoiding Chinese restaurants for fear of contracting but, the coronavirus. But think about that. If you feel like you're not getting the full picture from the Chinese government, they're not being as transparent. If um, you know, we're, we're sitting here telling you that the, what the president has just said doesn't really bear out in, in the science data right now. Yeah, it's no wonder that people have a hard time navigating this going, well, who do I believe? But, you know, you, we have said this over and over and over again, and I just don't think you can you can say it often enough. That while the coronavirus is a concern and, and you're fine if it's a concern of yours. Influenza, the flu here in the United States should be a concern 50,000 times more uh, 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 important to you because that's roughly the number of people that are going to die of the flu this year while coronavirus has killed exactly zero in, in the United States. In the United States, yeah. Focus on the things that are truly a threat to you. And, and so, again, we're, we're trying to give you that information. I, I know that myself included at times are really good or really bad rather at judging risk right you you think that the shark is going to bite you at the beach when in all reality it is the commuting to and from work that's that's more dangerous to you it's stepping on glass at the beach it's going to hurt you yeah. <laughs> it's not the shark. jellyfish have you ever gotten Jell- a jellyfish thankfully no oh i've heard they're not Painful. good that's no bueno that's right? no bueno but killer bees are real right those are coming to get me they Should are real. They are real. Are they still I don't know coming? If they're coming to get you, but all right, let's double checking. I, I want to know what I need to be scared of today. Are you an Arizonan or an Arizonian? Uh, the first is one of them correct and the other ridiculous. By the yeah. way, the answer to that is yes. Yeah, I was going to say, but we have a linguist who's going to argue the difference. Huh? It's coming up next. Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. From time to time, we genuinely struggle with, or I always, you know, we, we, we talk about what are people from a certain state or city called? What's the plural, right? Now, when we talk about Arizona, Arizona, I've always operated under the belief that the, the plural is Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Arizona, right? Yeah. That's foregone conclusion. Yes. Double stampies, no erases. Uh huh. Apparently, that's not a hundred percent settled <laughs> law. That's not linguist law. Well, okay, linguist law. Come on, potato, potato. Let's call the whole thing off here. There's actually a question. There's been a bit of a debate. There was a, a column that was written in. Texas a little bit ago and referred to folks here in Arizona as Arizonians. Arizonian. When you say Arizonian. It makes you sound like you're not from around these parts. Makes it makes it sound like an Amazonian. I don't oh, know. Okay. It's just weird. So um, our, our TV partners over at ABC 15 were like, what the heck is going on here? They reached out to a linguist at ASU to find God. out who, who's right. We all say Arizonans. We say Arizonians. Are we Arizonians? And really the linguist says uh, there's really no right or wrong. What do you mean Answer. there's no right or wrong? The the first reference to people who live in Arizona was back in 1857. What? Out of Indiana. And they called us Arizonians. Back in 1857, we were Arizonians. About 10 years later, out of Mississippi, they referred to us as Arizonans. 
I don't think we okay. should allow Indiana or Mississippi to determine no. who we are. Do we, we get, get to, to we get to choose. That. Okay, yeah. so we're gonna uh, we're gonna go with Arizonans, double stampies, no races. We're moving on. Done. But there are a lot of other places that have confusing. If not obvious plurals. Well, we were having an issue yesterday, you know, talking about people who are voting today in the primary in New Hampshire. Yeah. What are what are people from New Hampshire called? New Hampshireites. New Hampshireans. I don't know. That's why we have Super Producer Stevie Z in here. So Super Producer Stevie Z has the list, uh, and it's the list of the proper pluralization of states and/or cities and towns. Is right? this where we really sound stupid? Because he's well, we don't ask we us don't have things. this. So no, he has it, this and this is official. This is official. official. And in what some does it cases, say for Arizona. For Arizona, yeah, it does give both Arizonan oh, and Arizonian. That's We're Arizonans. There are a couple of states like that, by the way. Really? We're multiple ones. Okay. Well, that, if, they, if you're going to ask questions, I ought to be able to get one of the two. I, I, Here we go. I won't, but go ahead. Let's do some of the more difficult ones. Let, oh, well, yeah, starting let's start with, hard, Steve. Starting sure. with New Hampshire, by the way. N- New, New Hampshireites. Hampshire-ite. New Hampshireite. Also called a granite state. I know it's the gr- oh well. I know it's the well, granite yeah, okay, state. That's so, like their nickname. Says it on their license plate. Okay, so Let's we got that one right. Else. Okay, Connecticut. Oh, Connecticutites. No, hold on. <laughs> Connecticut. Oh my god. Connecticutites. No, that's a good one though. Connecticutter. Connecticutter. I s- I swear that's Where what it's no. Like. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Connecticutter. They just threw an ER on there. Connecticuter. I did not okay. know that. All right. <clears throat> Got that wrong. How about Arkansas? Arkansans. Ar- yeah, I'm going to yes. go with that. Okay. Correct. Okay. Arkansas. I mean, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, okay. but yeah, Let's it's written like that. that. Yeah, Arkansan. All right. Next up. Illinois. Oh, God. With the ones that ended Illinois. S are the ones. Yeah. Uh, this one's actually kind of funny. You're from Illinois. <laughs> I oh, know. I'm gonna come. Alinean, uh, Alinean. I don't. Isn't know. that the school it, mascot? The Alinean. Yeah, the Alinean. Yeah. Il- Il- oh my god! I can't even pronounce it. I know. There's too many eyes. Il- Illinoisian. 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 Yeah. There's no I that you, right, you right, threw right, an right. extra eye. I There's like eight a, eyes. Okay, citywide. Where Where were you from growing up? McLean. So what do you call somebody from McLean? <laughs> McLeanian? McLeaners? No. I've never heard anybody refer to it. McLean, Virginia. Mc... No, I never. McLeanians? McLeanians? But then I also grew up in Tucson. Tucsonan. You're not a Tucsonian? No, it's Tucsonan. Tucsonan. Okay. Oh. Tucsonan. What about Vermont? What about, what about, what about Cranberry t- Township? What about uh, Cranberry yeah. Town? Cranberry let's... Townshipian. No, let's go. Let's go with like Pittsburgh. 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 Uh, you're a Pittsburgher. You are not. You're a Pittsburgher. 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 Or a Yinzer, one or the other. I would not have gotten Pittsburgher. I would have thought that's too much of a joke. What else do we miss here? Vermont. Vermontonian. Vermonter. Darn it. Okay, so on our open mic line. Uh oh. Because Bruce and I, double stampies, no erases, believe it's Arizona. Arizona. Do you agree with us or do you disagree? Well, are, are you, you right or are you wrong? Well, I, are you are you the modern day Arizonan or are you the old school Arizonian? 19, Give us a call. 1850s. <laughs> On the open mic line, uh, 602-200-2733. Your choices are Arizonan or Arizonian. 602-200-2733. Open mic line brought to I, you by Carol Royce. I also want you to share if you grew up in a, in a, in a state or a city with an odd one that we don't know. Like a Pittsburgher. Or da- Yenzer. I came from Dallas, yeah. I don't what know. What is it? Dallasonian? We're all Texan. Te- well, there you go. <laughs> what do you call people from Dallas? Texan.
602-200-2733. I did not know that about Illinois. What is it again? People from Illinois. Illinoisan? Illinoisan. Oh, my God. A former D-backs player is suing the Houston Astros. Why? Because they cheated. Does he have a case? We're talking about it next.